This Week in HPC. Gravity makes waves. And Hewlett-Packard takes SGI technology to market. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is brought to you in partnership with our friends at Top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? We're doing fine, thanks. And uh, you know, it was a big week in science this yeah. week, with maybe a, an interesting tie-in to some HPC. But the big science story that exploded all over the internet was proof of the existence of gravitational waves theorized by Albert Einstein a hundred years ago. Yeah, um, this was the first time I guess they've actually measured gravitational waves. Like you said, Einstein sort of predicted this a hundred years ago, and if, and scientists have have seen sort of some of the effects of it, but this is the first time it's actually been measured with uh, with devices on the Earth and then uh, analyzed to actually prove that it actually was occurring, in this case, in a couple of black holes that uh, were in the process of merging uh, about 130 billion light years away. Right, and this is being detected by a technology called LIGO, which is Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. So I guess the W in wave disappears. You kind of want it to be LIGO, but it's it's LIGO technology that did it. And this is a a project uh, funded by the NSF and primarily carried out by Caltech and MIT, and they operate two LIGO facilities in the United States, one in Louisiana and one in Washington State. The idea being that when something massive happens, that gravitational waves travel through the universe like ripples from a rock falling in water or like sound waves travel, but they they dissipate, and uh, uh, and it's, it's hard to actually pick that up. But by measuring lasers pointed at mirrors, the, the, the gravitational wave washing over the lasers will, will uh, perceptibly, you used to be imperceptibly, but now perceptibly alter the uh, path of the laser in a way that you can measure. And a seven millisecond differential was detected at these two uh, facilities uh, last September, and uh, and now they've got confirmation. They said they've come to come to release the press that uh, gravitational waves are real, and we can measure them. Yeah, big discovery. I mean, it's it's gonna from from what's being said, it's gonna open up sort of a whole new science of of gravitational wave astronomy, uh, which will help with the the behavior uh, characterization of black holes and even things like pulsars and even things about how the universe started and uh, how if we can measure maybe uh, the gravitational waves left over from sort of the Big Bang. So this is going to open up a big area of science. And the the interesting thing for us, it got a little assist from HPC. Some of the computation was done on various computers, but uh, particularly at a at a place uh, at Cal State at Fullerton that had a small cluster that did some of these uh, simulations and modeling from some of the data, and also also at the uh, at the uh, pre- uh, press briefing for this, did some of the visualization to show how how this was occurring and and what went on. 
Right. That's exactly right. So, and as much as uh, Caltech and MIT have been two of the leads in this, there are researchers from universities all over the world that have been involved, and in particular, a few from Cal State Fullerton, which has a gravitational wave physics and astronomy center, GWPAC. There you do count the W. It's GWPAC, not just GPAC. And they've got um, a, a small cluster they call the Orange County Relativity, Relativity Cluster for Astronomy. There the C in county doesn't count, so it spells ORCA. <laughs> right. we, we add letters into acronyms. We take them out of acronyms, just so long as it spells something. As long as we can good. pronounce it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So ORCA is the Orange County Relativity, Relativity Cluster for Astronomy. It's a small cluster. It's by, by our normal podcast standards. It's a 576 cores, so it's you know it's not nothing. It's seven teraflops, and I remember when seven teraflops was you know a lot of computing. Right. So it's it's not nothing here, and and it focuses specifically on this. And the reason I like this so much is it reminds us that seven teraflops can still be a lot of computing for certain applications. And when you are the the main center that focuses on a particular field of research, you can still do something extraordinary, whether it's in public sector research or some commercial market where you're the only one making your product and you can have a real breakthrough on an entry level, a mid-range cluster, in this case, uh, seven teraflops getting the job done. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, seven teraflops, you can almost you know, shoehorn that into a workstationary, put a few GPUs in there. This thing had maybe a little more than a terabyte of memory, so not a lot of compute power. The, the magic here, of course, was the modeling software that went into that to to uh, analyze the gravitational wave data. So that was the big part. But like you said, uh, you often don't need you know, a supercomputer to do some pretty remarkable discovery. In this case, they didn't. Now, according to the, the different press releases that floated around about this, this wasn't the only computer that was working on this. There were some in, even in Germany and other places that actually did some of that right. work. But in, in nowhere did, did anybody mention a, you know, a high you know, petaflop-type supercomputer doing this. It was mainly the the modeling software that does uh, some of these measurements and analysis and uh yeah it was very very right. groundbreaking work done with uh, very little uh, very little iron well, and the LIGO facilities themselves, of yeah. course. I mean, the big thing is calibrating these lasers, these mirrors, and knowing what you're listening for. And then eventually, once it chirps, uh, then your fun begins about modeling this out and saying, "Is that did we really find what we think we found? In this case, they did. Go science. All right. Yeah. Very interesting uh, development. And yeah, I think we'll be hearing more about this. And I think there's a, a Nobel Prize in there for somebody down the line. So, uh, Do you think it's us? <laughs> I don't think it's us. But right. I think they'll pick somebody in some of the one of these groups, and it'll be uh, forthcoming. Let's say. Fair enough. All right, let's turn to maybe a, a well, a more traditional HPC players, but a non-traditional HPC story in that this really goes more to the big data side. But uh, HPC vendor SGI has had good solutions for shared memory-based um, uh, appliances, and of course, they've spent some time getting that to work really well with SGI. SAP HANA. They had an SAP HANA certification for their eight-socket UV system, but SGI, lacking a, a lot of sales channels in that area, is now going to OEM that technology to a company that has a big reach into that area and did not have this exact product with HPE. 
Right. HP Hewlett-Packard, uh, formerly just Hewlett-Packard, now Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, they announced that they're going to basically OEM the SGI UV300 technology, actually a version of that, just the eight-socket version of that technology, to go along with their, their integrity line for mission-critical, basically database-type computing. They're going to call it uh, the HPE Integrity MC990X server. Don't know where they got those numbers, but that's what they're calling it. It's I actually, think they took some of the leftover letters from the acronyms the way they weren't <laughs> using them. Yeah, that's the only thing I can figure, because it is basically an, an SGI UV300 system that's being repurposed for this. They're taking that technology um, and turning it into an HP machine or an HPE machine. Now, it should be noted that HPE has this uh, a, a scale of these technologies, integrity servers. They have a four soccer system under the ProLiant brand um, to do this uh, sort of scale up database uh, single system or single uh, single system uh, shared memory type thing is also uh, a Smart Dome X integrity line at 16 uh, sockets to do a little higher Su scale. Superdome, you mean? Superdome. Su Superdome, yes. Pardon me. To do a 16 socket version of this, but they didn't have anything in the sweet spot of, of eight sockets, and that's why they adopted the uh, the SGI technology and are going to put it out under their own brand. Yeah, I think this is a good move for both companies. Uh, this is a case where you know someone's got a technology and someone else has the sales channel, and and this can really work out well. Um, we see these OEM relationships from time to time, but in this case, it does stand to be a pretty good breakout opportunity for SGI. GI, who I, I think found itself with a, a product and, and not a great way to go sell it. And, and HP could use this product to its own competitive advantage with these SAP HANA solutions. Now, they're not going to be the only ones that are out there with this kind of solution. We've seen Huawei going after this SAP HANA uh, uh, type of uh, appliance, uh, as well as some other companies. So, uh, there is going to be competition out there, but but you got to like HP's chances for their ability to sell it. I still can't get myself to say HPE, but it's HPE's chances to go sell this. Yeah, I think this is a good a good deal for SGI. I mean, like you said, there's a it's a bigger sales market with uh, with HP. And actually, we should mention that uh, Dell is also in the business of selling the SGI 300 UV 300 solution. They announced that back uh, last July. Um, not as sort of an OEM deal as what HPE is doing here, but under their sort of just as a reseller of, of SGI brand. Now, so I think all this is good news for SGI and the UV product line. I'm, I'm not as convinced of you maybe, maybe about how good it is for HP. I mean, they have filled this spot here, but um, now they're sort of their integrity line looks a little incoherent. They've got a sort of a pro line at the four socket level. You've got the, the MC990, which is the UV system at the eighth socket level, and then you've got the 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 Superdome at the uh, at the high level of 16 sockets. Um, it just seems like if if you're a user and you you're looking for sort of a, a scalable solution, you're, you're sort of looking at different architectures there. Um, so I'm not sure if that's really the best thing in the world for. For for HP, it seems like they should have a more coherent solution if they're if they're looking for users that might want to move up to say a 16 socket system. They're going to have to switch architectures. Um, the other thing is they're going to have to share yeah. some of the revenue with uh, with SGI when they sell these systems. So it's not going to be very a, a clean uh, high margin sale for them in what it could have been. 
Now, you know, I'm not as concerned about that. Your latter point concerns me not at all. There have been successful OEM agreements of of all types. That's a pretty standard business arrangement. I don't worry about the revenue sharing there at all. As for, uh, you know, HP's product line, I think that's a matter of how they target, how they position, you know, what's their solution for SAP HANA. Uh, I don't worry about how coherent that is up and down. If if I have a concern at all, it's going to be on the SGI side, you know, how big a deal is, is HP going to make out of this? And it's, it seems to be a, a little uh, early to, to tell. We seem to have caught HP somehow pre-launch on this. The announcement came out from the SGI side about the OEM relationship. We have a product number. There is a blog that you can point to on the HPE website by Ruby Nicholson talking about uh, looking to scale to large Linux workloads. And here's this new option. And it gives the the product number, uh, the HPE Integrity MC990. It points to a URL, or it points to a data sheet, rather. The data sheet has a URL on the back, but that URL doesn't go anywhere yet, just to an HP Integrity uh, website. And if you do a search for the MC990 or MC990X, you don't find anything yet on HP's website. So presumably, we're putting together materials for a launch that hasn't happened yet. Or if it's been launched, it's only been launched internally, which is just a long way of saying it. There's no indication yet of how big a deal HP is going to make of this. Is if it's just kind of in the price book and and it's not being pushed hard, then you know it's all much ado about nothing. Uh, if if it's if it's actually a strategic initiative by HPE to go after these uh, big data types of workloads with this appliance, then uh, could work out great for both sides. Yeah, certainly SGI seems a little more excited about this than HP at, at this particular point, like you said. It that, might just be too early. Maybe this is coming on Tuesday. We don't know. It might be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sort of uh, is not surprising to me. I think this is somewhat you know, more exciting news for SGI than HP at this point. Yeah, and like you said, though, we'll have to see what HP does with this, how they're going to roll it out, how they're going to sort of fit that product line together for for their customer base, and if it's going to be sort of, uh, you know, more coherent or more transparent, uh, moving sort of from one level to the other. That, that sort of remains to be seen. I, I am, like I said, a little... A little worried about how they can put that out there. I don't even know why they they name this so differently than the rest of their line. It's obviously a different architecture, but since they're going to basically sell these things as appliances with a software stack on top of it, it seems like they could make uh, a more coherent set of offerings here. But you know, we'll see. It's like you said, it's early days. We'll see how they roll this out. Well, I, I promise you one thing, Michael, that they had at least one meeting about how to name this thing, and probably at <laughs> At least two. So I, I think some thought went into the naming, even if they haven't made us privy to the entire process going on. I, I'm less concerned about the the, the numbers and, and letters. I, I that's to me that's actually good branding. It keeps the the importance of the brand on HP Enterprises as opposed to what the individual name of the product is. Uh, so so that's that's fine. I'm not concerned about the name or the number. I am concerned about how much of a big deal they'll make out of it, and that's. As, as you would like to say, Michael, something we'll see in the days and weeks and months ahead. That's true. We will. <laughs> so that'll wrap us up, Michael, for another uh, This Week in HPC. I appreciate talking to you always. I, I like the gravitational wave story.
story. It's a nice popular one to, to bring us through the week. And uh, thanks to you for tuning in also. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 